Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Sorry, McLean, I stole the spotlight there and <laughs> did the intro. Um, but welcome back to all of our listeners. Hopefully, everyone had a great Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there and, and to you, fine gentlemen. As I lie through my teeth when I say fine gentlemen, but <laughs> um, hopefully you had a good weekend. Some of you get to play a little golf, maybe watch a little golf. We had the U.S. Open, but how are you gents doing? Good, man. Yeah. yeah another, okay. another, another tournament in the books this past weekend. Another big one. Um, another big one. Yeah, it was good, man. It was fun, uh, fun, fun watching. It was pretty good down the stretch and um, it was uh yeah, it was it was cool. I know we're gonna get into it, but it was a lot of lot of names on the top of that leaderboard uh, on the weekend, which is which is always cool. I mean, it was anything anything and everything could have happened, you know. And it, it was uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was. Let's yeah, let's get it right into it. Or unless I know McLean drinking water tonight, he had a rough Father's Day. Mm-hmm. He celebrated it a little too hard. <laughs> I I got given the day off. I was told to go have fun with my friends and didn't have to be home for dinner. Go play golf. Go see some live music. And uh, have a good time. So I, uh, I exercised my right to do so. <laughs> you did. That's damn good idea, man. Awesome. It was. Jay, good time was had by all. What are you? Ha- what are you drinking, Jay? I'm drinking. Uh, it's barrel. Hey, you know, I don't know if it's barrel or barrel. I don't know how they pronounce it because it's. But it's uh, dub. They're dovetail bourbon, and it's uh, okay. Really, yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. I wish I had another bottle of this, but I think I just finished it off. So <laughs> I've been meaning to try to pick up some of that. I uh I've heard it's fantastic. Good. It's really good. It's 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 not cheap. I mean, that's why I probably don't have another bottle because it's like I think it's like 80 bucks, 70 yeah. or 80 bucks. So it's yeah. like, do I really want to go 70, 80 bucks for a bottle of bourbon? I mean, I'm not saying I won't, but I try not to. <laughs> you definitely will. Um, it's worth it. I mean, it really is worth it. It's good. What, how about you, Mikey? What you got? I actually made it old fashioned tonight. Um, instead of on the rocks, I made it old fashioned with some uh, blade and bow. Oh man, you know that's that blade and bow is one that um, I haven't had in a while. It's it's pretty pretty easy drink, you know. Yeah, it is a very easy, it's pretty smooth. buttery. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. I haven't had it in quite a while, and uh, I was gifted a bottle by. Uh, a, a good friend and employee and listener of the podcast, Randy Cox. And he was like, Oh yeah. I, Randy? I, like, I said, I, li- I like that. I said, I like that. So I opened that and, and there we are. I wasn't going to drink it all tonight either. Just a little, a little tired. I'm fighting through some things up here too. In my attic studio. Um, I have to come up here and turn the AC on. I forgot to do that today ahead of time. Ugh. So it's, it was 89 degrees when I came up here tonight. <laughs> so Nothing if, like a, Nothing like an old fashioned in eighty nine degree weather. <laughs> if I if I start sweating like Patrick Ewing at the foul line, I apologize. It's just because it's really hot up here and it hasn't cooled down yet. So we're fighting through it though. We'll get through it. That sounds brutal. <laughs> Clean's over there with his forty percent deep bug spray he's putting on before the show. Just, outside heavy, on his patio. Heavy max. So for all of our listeners, we we don't take this shit lightly. We we fight through some things for you guys to give you guys a show every week. Yeah. That's exactly right. As everyone rolls their eyes collectively. Against the elements, <laughs> we are here to provide great feedback on the golf world. That's right. So <laughs> let's get into it. Um, yeah, so we got the live event coming up in Portland. going to be pretty big stuff. That's what you wanted to get into, right? That's where you're leading into? No? Okay. If, I could, if I could punch you in the face <laughs> okay. right now, I would. 
no. We're going to fucking talk about the U.S. Open, the 122nd U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Awesome idea. Mm. Um, McLean, if I said to you, can someone win a major chipping cross-handed, you would say? I would say I've been recently um, <laughs> disproved on what, <laughs> what I felt uh, someone could or could not do by chipping cross-handed. I, without a doubt, never thought. Matt Fitzpatrick would win a major chipping cross-handed, much less getting it through the rough at the U.S. Open, at any U.S. Open venue, and not even just the rough that we saw at the Country Club, which was incredibly treacherous as it is. Um, the fact that he got it done is my, mind-numbing to me. I just absolutely <laughs> mind-numbing. But as I mentioned to Mike before the show, if I am looking at a U.S. Open and someone asks me who I think is going to win, and for some reason, I decide to also put in there, but this guy has zero chance. Pick him. Last <laughs> year, I said Bryson DeChambeau could not win. I think we can go back on this podcast. I said it recorded. that Bryson DeChambeau will not win a U.S. Open hitting drivers crooked as he does. And he did. <laughs> and he did. And this year, did. and m- many times over the past few weeks, I've mentioned that there's zero chance Matt F- Fitzpatrick wins a major chip and cross handed. And again, I've been proven incorrect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've obviously talked a lot about Fitzpatrick this year on the podcast. He's just been playing his ass off. He's had a bunch of high finishes. He obviously came close in the final group at Southern Hills with the PGA. So he, he bounced back from that pretty fast. And you know, we've we've gone over his strokes gain statistics. We no one should be surprised at this, not only just because of how well he's been playing this year. Also, he won the USAM here in case you didn't catch it 85 million times on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, and so none of us should have been surprised at this. And just going over his his stroke scanned uh, across the board here on the PGA Tour season, 10th off the tee, 25th approach the green, 17th around the greens, 22nd putting, 5th tee to green, 2nd stroke scan total. And he's been actually first in the stroke scan total category for most of the year. Um I'm kind of surprised he's actually second now after winning the the U.S. Open. But yeah, it was. I I just thought overall in general, I thought it was a great Sunday afternoon. Um, a lot of drama, a lot of bogeys and birdies and pars, and a couple two shot swings between him and Zalatoris and Scheffler's up there making a charge doing Scheffler things. And you know, you had you had the whispers of, um, you know, Morikawa was making a charge from the back. He wasn't really going to win. And Hideki had a great round. Rory McIlroy was kind of flirting with something or everyone was hoping he would flirt with something um, a little disappointing in John Rahm, but yeah, I thought it was a good leaderboard. You had a couple, um, you know, Cinderella stories, which I think are always good, especially at a U.S. open because of the, the nature of the, you know, the qualifying for the event and you had a local boy. I was a little upset to see Keegan, you know, not do so well on, on Sunday, but I think the you kind of, yeah, folded up the a pressure, bit. but yeah, I was, I was <laughs> into it. I was enthralled. Um, I was definitely into it maybe because one of my DraftKings teams was in the running for a million dollars at one point. Um, Dude, that was, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, up to? I was up to 14th place and I was only like 14 points behind the leader for a million bucks. Man. And 14th place would have paid you how much if you had finished? Uh, that would have been like, five grand if I was in fifth, uh, 14th place. I ended up finishing 36th place. 
um, and winning two grand with that team. It wasn't the team that I picked on the podcast last week. It was a, I entered three teams into this, um, into that big DraftKings contest. That of course the one from the podcast won zero dollars. Um, I actually ca- I actually cashed on both of the other ones. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, at one point Saturday night late, I looked and I was 14th and I almost shit a brick. Uh, and I was like, holy crap! So I was real vested interest. Hell, even mm-hmm. I never thought this day would come. Even my wife texted me at work on Sunday. <laughs> How was your lineup doing? No, she goes, okay, who are we rooting for again? <laughs> and she knew half the team that she was already rooting for, which was remarkable. And then I came home and it was on in the bedroom. She had already had the TV on, on the US Open watching <laughs> it. And like, because you had a chance to make some money. <laughs> yeah. She complains about my gambling until I tell her I could have a chance to win a million dollars and she's already spent it in her head. Now she's all, all about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it just, I mean, I've done DraftKings for however long it's been out. It's like 10 years. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's a long shot. And it is. But somebody wins one of these every, they have a million, almost, I think almost every week they have a million dollar, definitely all the majors and the big events. But yeah. I mean, it, well, whether it's NFL, like every week in the NFL, they have a million dollar game. And it's somebody wins every week. And I know everyone says it's all, it's rigged and they've got people with, you know, the logarithms and bots and they can create lineups. But in the fact of the matter is somebody is, in, is creating the right lineup. And is, if it's a long shot, yes, it is. But I mean, in my opinion, I'm okay with spending $15 for a lottery ticket that I have a chance to sit down and watch the drawing for yeah. four days. You know, I don't, you know, it's well, especially when you actually have that. a little knowledge behind it too, since we know the yeah. game and the players you can make and- the educated pick. It's not just complete, complete luck where you're just, you know, Hey, I'm yeah. picking a bunch of numbers. I will, I will say this. I was a little disheartened by the whole thing. We'll get back to the actual U.S. Open real fast. Um, the guy who won, I happened to look, he had five teams in the top 13. He had five lineups in the top 13. So he's one of those professionals that put in 150 teams. And then I was Which, looking at my team. I had five of the top 12. Uh, I think my my worst guy was Justin Rose at T38. But I, I had Rom Fitzpatrick, Hadwin Bradley, um, Matsuyama and Rose. I had five of the top 12 that finished, and I was in 36 spot. I'm like, how do you win these things? Like, how can yeah. you? Yeah. Like, it was the best team I've ever had in my life, and I was only 36 spot. But the drop off is pretty quick, too. I mean, you go from a million dollars to like 50,000. I don't. I don't think it goes to, it went like a million to like 200,000. It doesn't even go to like, yeah, it's like a million, 250, 100, and then it's down to like 50,000. D- drops uh, off quick. Quick. But yeah. Anyway, so that was that was giving me a lot of juice. Well, let's let's get back to the to Fitzpatrick in the open. So yeah, I thought I thought the last nine holes were were awesome, um, and yeah, it, it's good to get Fitzpatrick for him see him to get it done. He seems by all accounts just like an awesome dude, down to earth, just total grinder. Works his ass off. Um, looks for anything he can do, and a lot of people now are talking about his his added length. Uh, and on the mile per hours that he was putting up there and what he's seen over the last couple of years. I mean, he was hitting 180 ball speed. Yeah. A couple of times yesterday. He was moving it. He was moving it. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's good. I like the guy. It was awesome to see his, his caddy, Billy Foster, get his first major after caddying for 40 years. I mean, That's it was incredible. almost more of a celebration. I mean, Fitzpatrick was like consoling Billy. Like Billy put his head down, his head in his hat. Was just a really cool reaction, and he was like, "Oh my god, we finally did it!" And like Fitzpatrick was like 
going to hug him like he won the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he can't and then, even Seve. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just think how long this guy's been around. Seve Ballesteros. I mean, that's the guy. Obviously, is not not alive anymore, but he didn't even play competitive golf. It's been thirty years. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, so, it is yeah. cool to see a guy like that who's been around around the game for that long. Finally, he doesn't look that old though. No, I mean, he really, he really doesn't. Years. Yeah. Um, you know, four years the, ago it was 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just that match just hit me. I'm sitting there going, "Fuck." Hey, proceed, proceed. No, it was uh, it was cool, you know. And, and Fitzpatrick's whole family was there, and uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was it was great. And it's hard not to it's hard for me not to like Fitzpatrick. He just seems like a grinder, and he plays really fast too, which is yeah. awesome. Once he's ready to go, he gets that club and he hits it, man. Yeah. He's he's off, yeah. But what'd you guys make of it, dude? I'll be honest with you. It was the 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 back nine was awesome. Like I said earlier, a lot of guys in the mix, um, kind of back and forth, and all had a chance. You know, you said between Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick, you know, and Rory was always kind of hanging around. Never really made that charge that we were we thought he would make or hoping that he would make. But the one takeaway that I have is the yellow of the clubhouse is really ugly <laughs> i i don't know why i couldn't stop they kept showing the clubhouse and i was like i know that it's probably a super old clubhouse and i really you know probably better than i do how old it is but i was like man of all the colors that they could paint this thing and it's like this canary yellow and i'm like Ugh. it's called, it's called prim, primrose yellow is the official color um Ugh. and it's been that color since ever I get okay. it. I get Definitely it. It's history and it's cool, but it, it you're talking about not a, appealing. Have you seen the pictures and the videos of the locker room? You're talking about a place that has not replaced the lockers. They are the old like tin aluminum lockers with the mesh wire front doors. Like it's the I mean, that's know, cool. They they showed Curtis's locker. He still has one. They still have one for Curtis, and it's like all rusted and like you know, it looks like it hasn't been touched in 60 years, and it probably hasn't been touched in 60 years. Oh man! They probably I wipe mean, it down, and it. that's it. They dust it, and that's I get it. it. So I'm 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 a sucker for the the history, and and if if it's a historic thing to keep it that color, then I get it. You know, they then stick with it, but it is not pretty at all. No, and it's, it's, I will say, I mean, ugly. you could kind of get a, a sense of the place, just kind of how the rugged nature of the golf course is. It's a very understated place for being such a big exclusive club there's actually there's there's no gate there's no guard there's a guard house with a cutout of a guard that they have painted a face on waving that sits in the window of this guard house there's actually no if you are just an average joe driving by you can just drive right into the country club and just see it and just see it which is rare for a lot of places with that yeah. that stature so it's a pretty yeah. understated you know kind of place to begin yeah. with it, it, it's that not crazy um you know, they're not throwing everything in your face there as far yeah. as everything's brand new and fresh and shiny. And yeah. So, I mean, I, I, like I said, I respect it. I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a stickler for the history, <clears throat> the history and it is cool. Um, so for the fact that they're sticking to the, the original color of the building, it's, I guess it makes it a little better, but yeah. like I said, that's not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept looking at it. I was like, oh, this is I, fucking yellow. Is show us anything else. Yeah, show us anything else. I heard, I heard that from a lot of people this weekend. Yeah. Man, the place looks awesome, but that clubhouse is really ugly. 
mean, they have to have heard this. I mean, oh, I think sure it's probably time that it's okay. Like we still have the structures there, but let's maybe let's change it up a little bit. Let's 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 throw a I don't know, just go with like an antique white. It's just something simple. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. So this was Jay's but, big takeaway for the, the US. That was my big takeaway. No, I mean, again, I already I, it was it was just fun. I, the U.S. Open, I think, is 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 so cool, and they the history, and we have obviously, you know, Curtis uh, Strange is a, a friend of ours, a friend of the pod, and and his story of what he did in 1988 is is great. And I've always, even when I was a kid playing golf with him and Tom, the coolest thing would he, he would always say, "This is our national championship. This is the biggest, you know, event in." U U.S. golf and you know that kind of I just remember that kind of hit me as like it is the, a true open anyone can play in this if you if you want to you can qualify for it, which just adds to the prestige of the event like you've got guys amateurs playing you've got old old guys playing you've got young guys have never played in a, a pro event and they're playing in a major you know it's just you put all that together all those the craziness all the emotion all the difficulty um, and all the history, 122 years they played this. Um, and it just, you put it all together and it's like every, it's just captivating. You want to watch it. Um, well, the other thing too, is know, I think the US, USA does a great job of like the build out of these courses every year. And I think the, the British, uh, the open championship does this really well too. When you're watching it on TV, the grandstands are huge. Mm-hmm. The structures are big. The merchandise tents, the hospitality tents, everything's big and grand. And it feels like, Dan, this is an important golf tournament that you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. M- way more so than the PGA. And obviously, Augusta keeps their their stuff muted and quiet and, and understated. But it just like the grandiose of everything, the, the wooden signs on the tee boxes. I don't know. Just like the, yeah. the visuals of a U.S. Open, uh, to me, are like my favorite every year, just from kind of how they, they put on yeah. the the show and so it just feels big and important and um yeah so i thought it was i thought it was wildly wildly entertaining um um well, and i really didn't other, go ahead I didn't, and i was gonna say i really didn't care who won per se i mean obviously i wanted fitzpatrick to win because he was gonna help me win a million dollars but you know it would have been great to see zalatoris finally get it done zorro there yeah. finally sign his name on, yeah. a, on a on a check versus his budding stroke um yeah you know, it would have been cool to see Scheffler just kind of continue this rampage he's on and just a kind of historic year if he would have won. Um, you know, and there's other good storylines there. So it was kind of entertaining from that standpoint. I didn't really care too much about who won or lost. It was just more just entertaining to watch. What um, I know you probably read this too. Um, the commercials, it was crazy. Like nonstop commercials, like every three minutes, it was a commercial. I was like, come on, can we, there's plenty of good golf. Like, can we just skip that for yeah. the, the last nine holes of the U S open? Do we have to go to commercial every three minutes? The, the USGA and NBC right. got absolutely killed from everyone on social media. A, a bunch of the journalists wrote articles about it on, on different um, publications and sites. And I know Juan actually, Mike Juan, you know, CEO, the, um, executive director, whatever his title is with the USGA came out and said, Hey, you know, we apologize. We're going to try to fix things for next year and this and that. And, you know, it was great when, you know, they finally did the last hour on Sunday was commercial free and they're able to kind of let the story breathe too. Cause it's, it's, it's storytelling too. These guys are doing, yeah. it's not just showing golf shots because anyone can just show golf shots for some guy who's six over or whatever, but it's like, 
watching these guys walk down the fairway and kind of just not talking and letting you hear the crowd and just kind of see yeah. these guys body language and yeah the pressure build and mount on these last few holes that's kind of you know but well, keep cutting away for commercial breaks you don't get any of that no you don't you're right and you get you lose that sense of drama um and that's what i mean that's why people like nan so much i know we were kind of you know getting after him last week with some of the comments but he is he is one of the best uh, and I would throw Tariko in there as well. They're just so good at setting up the moment and telling the story, uh, along with the segments that each each um, uh, each network has on the players. Like if you if if you know the backstory and you have so many different, um, you have so just, it makes it more dramatic when you know the backstory of each one of these players and what why the storyline would be so awesome for them to win. Um, and if they do a good job of of protecting, you know, the tournament in a way, I guess you could say protecting the tournament by posting or presenting so many of these storylines. You're like, there's 10 guys that I want to win. Like, I have to watch this. I have to see what happens next because this guy could be, you know, the first guy to win, you know, chipping cross-handed in the U S open. And this guy could win because he's been beating everybody's ass all year. And he could just keep rising to the top in terms of Scotty Scheffler or, you know, whatever Rory hasn't won a major in, you know, eight years, you know, all the, all of these storylines. And, that's what keeps you into it. And nonetheless, I mean, it's, it is the U S open, but, but that's what makes it fun. You get all, when they do a good job of putting all those stories in front of you, but when you get those commercials, you're right. It kind of, you check out a little bit and you kind of forget what, what you were rooting for, I guess. So yeah, speak. you just lose the, the whole flow yeah, of it, but getting back to a little well, bit of the little of the golf. I sorry, McLean, go ahead. You haven't, so where they failed on the TV coverage there late where they really won, honestly, is, with the tournament itself and I think how the course played in their top five. I mean, going back and looking at the top five guys on the leaderboard, you've got Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Zalatoris, Matsuyama, Morikawa, and Rory McIlroy. And it was a single digit under par golf tournament. I think those are all somewhat goals of theirs. I think ultimately from the USGA standpoint of saying, all right, we want to try to control the score and we really want to see the big names show up. They got both of those done and, you know, kudos to them. I'm not, I'm not a big USGA fan. I think I've mentioned that probably on the podcast here before, but uh, uh, it was, they did a good job of getting the stars aligned and gathered up at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. I think uh, obviously when you have those big names up there, it's going to make it awesome, regardless of what the golf course is or even what a, what event it is. When you get those big names up there, it's, it's going to be fun. Then you, you add those big names in a major, um, and it's just going to be a, a massive success. And I think the golf course played great. And I think, you know, it actually probably would have been a little bit lower um, or higher of a score, probably more around the three or four under mark if they didn't get that rain Saturday night yeah. and sun, Sunday morning. It was playing tough on Saturday. And then they got that rain overnight and into the morning, softened up the greens a little bit. And so they weren't as firing. You could definitely tell the reaction of the ball on some of the greens. Yeah. on Sunday just wasn't reacting the same. And so I think it would have been more like the three or four under mark probably would have won um, if they didn't get that range. But that's I think that's like a perfect U.S. Open. I really don't want to watch a five over, six over, four over U.S. Open kind of thing. Yeah. Nor do I, do I want to watch 21 under. I, and I thought that was, and this we can kind of maybe, if you want to get into, I do want to get to a couple of the shots that they, these guys hit down the stretch, but um Let's do that first. And then we're going to get back into the golf course. Cause I have a couple of thoughts there, um, obviously on, on the golf course. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of the kind of the way these holes played on the back nine, which kind of caused that drama, 
you know, first of all, uh, Fitzpatrick hit 17 greens. I mean, that's might be one of the best ball striking rounds in major history. Uh, sidebar, that might be how you win a major chipping cross-handed. <laughs> um, so real fast. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to fucking do You don't have to all. chip. He, he did lead. Uh, he was first in greens and regulation, uh, which helps. Um, but he, let me see here. Let me go back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had round four stats up. I was looking for total round statistics. He was first in strokes game uh, around the greens this week. Kudos to him. So yeah. um, he was tied for first in greens and reg, which which helps, obviously. But still, that they're not measuring how many times you're chipping. They're measuring where you're chipping from and how close you're chipping it to from that around the green stat. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so he, saying he's not doing a good job with it. It's just correct. He had a massive still. chip in. I forgot which day that was on on 12. Uh, <laughs> tough, tough chip from behind the green fast uh, that he knocked in. But um, so what I was getting ready. So he misses his first green on 10. His only green doesn't get up and down. Then he hits it inside of Zalatoris on 11. Zalatoris makes the birdie putt, and he three putts. I actually left the room thinking he was going to make a par there and come back. I'm like, what? wait a minute, the scoreboard looks funny. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and so and then he makes that massive bomb when Zalatoris <laughs> makes a bogey on 13. Another kind of two-shot swing there on 13. It was a, almost 50 feet, I think. It was 48 feet on, on 13. And I think the the sequence that won him the championship was the tee shots on 15. He misses the fairway by 20 yards, but hits it in the gallery mm-hmm. where it's trampled. It was down. almost like he. It almost looked like he did it on purpose. Like I, I'm, I'm. Well, you watch his interaction with um, what the caddy. This caddy's name was uh, Billy Foster. Billy. Billy. Yeah. They kind of looked and kind of chuckled. It was almost like he almost was aiming over there. And it was like, because maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know the exact yardage, uh, yeah. the width of the fairway, but fairway is 22 yards wide. There's like, you know, 12 yards of thick rough. And then there's 30, 30 yards of trampled down grass that he knows he can hit off of. And the angle was a little bit better. It's like, why even take the risk of trying to hit this shot in the fairway yeah. and getting screwed when I could just blast it right? Yeah. I mean, he- I'm not going to say he did that, but it, he didn't look that upset about it after he hit it. It was like almost like, yeah, okay, that's what that's what we're trying. Well, to do. he he said in the post round press conference that he didn't think he hit it as far right as he did. He actually apologized for not yelling four. He was like, "Man, I feel bad. I wish I should have yelled four. I didn't realize I was going to hit it that far right." Really, um, which makes me believe he wasn't trying to do it on purpose. But that, that's also what he could have just been saying too. But he blows it way right, gets a great lie in the trampled down dead rough. And Zalatoris only misses the fairway by a couple of yards and has a and terrible lie. Yeah. And then Fitzpatrick hits a laser of a five iron that never left the flag stick to whatever that was, 25 feet or so, 20 feet. Zalatoris chunk hooks one in the bunker, has a 50-yard bunker shot, makes bogey. Uh, Fitzpatrick makes the birdie, another two-shot swing right there on a hole, and that was kind of it. Although Zalatoris had a great iron shot on the next hole, come right back and on he that did. tough par three sixteen, and and you know semi against basically stuffs one as stuff as close as you can stuff one on that hole with that back hole location on sixteen. He makes birdie, and so yeah, there's just a lot of back and forth and um some some big boy shots, and then of course the fairway bunker shot that everyone's talking about on eighteen. It was interesting to hear in the post round press conference. I guess Fitzpatrick and Billy Foster had a 
long discussion Wednesday night and Wednesday afternoon about what to hit off the 18th tee this week. Oh, really? And they never, they didn't agree on it all week. And Billy Foster wanted him to hit three wood. Fitzpatrick wanted to hit driver and was basically like, that's fine. If I can blow driver up there, if it goes through the fairway, goes through the dog, like whatever, it's fine. And Billy Foster talked him into the three wood on 18. And then he then oh, he pull, pull hooks it into the bunker kind of goes up against that island in the bunker there. He's got to hit the kind of a squeeze cut at the left side of the green and fade it back and just pulled it off. I mean, he yeah. absolutely flushed, laced it, that bunker shot. And he's he a said really after the iron player, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, I don't, I, I guess I don't have his stats pulled up right now, but the moment the top but, 20, I mean, top 25 he, iron player, he, it looks like he always hits it solid. Yeah. And uh, he says his, his fairway bunker games, his least favorite part of his game right now. It's his like least favorite shot to have is a fairway bunker shot. And, and for them, to win the U.S. Open, and had that to win the U.S. Open because uh, <laughs> someone made the point: if if he catches that a little heavy, trying to hit a squeeze cut, it's plugging in that front bunker. Oh yeah, it happened to Rom. That was a day before. He he chunked it out of the bunker, plugged it. Um, so I mean, yeah, that was just a big boy ballsy golf shot there um but billy foster's reaction i saw an interview with him he was like you know we we disagreed all week and i talked him into hitting the three wood and as soon as i saw him turn that thing over going left i put my head down i was like i'm fired, <laughs> I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is it I'm, I'm out i'm out i'm done um, um yeah so well, there's some some big boy shots coming down the stretch well one thing that i was gonna uh, that i noticed and and, and obviously it's hard to be critical of the of the guy because he's put himself in contention quite a bit lately. But uh, Zalatoris, I mean, he is arguably the best ball striker on tour. Uh, he's number one in, in approach to the green, strokes gain approach to the green. Uh, he's he's number six off the tee, strokes gain off the tee. I mean, he is tee to green. He's number two. I mean, he him and Rory kind of go back and forth between this, you know, total strokes gain or, or tee to green. Um, but obviously we know that he's not a great putter. Um, he's 158, but I was surprised. I'm just surprised at how many miss hits he has at the end of the end of the round. So it, again, you always, we always talk about technique and is this the way that you do, you, you know, the way that you, you swing or the way that you play is, is it not, um, conducive to handle, you know, handle the pressure? I mean, I don't necessarily, um, agree with that. Um, but there's something to be said for this. I mean, we've seen the same. They got the shot, the shot tracker now, and you can see these big wipey cuts that he keeps hitting under the gun. It's like, man, you got to find a way to. I know you like to hit the little hold off fade, but like he, he keeps hitting this 30, 40 yard cut shot, and it's like a block cut. I mean, I don't know. I'm just again, he's one of the best ball strikers, so it's easy no, for us to say that. But he keeps hitting right. these shots over and over and over under the gun. I mean, he only hit 50 percent of his fairways. Um yesterday on sunday he, well, was, he only he only averages 50 53.887 percent of his fairways that's all year so for him to have 50 percent of his fairways in the u.s open i guess that's probably pretty close he, to what he normally averages he reminded me of those kind of like we talked about with tiger a few weeks ago he hits those big wipey fades like tiger's been doing to try to like get it in play and it's just keep it in play it's like i, I don't know it's 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 too big it's like dude you're the best like, tiger has like physical issues is why he's doing that you you don't yeah. you're 26 years old and 140 pounds like yeah <laughs> i don't i mean again i just it was just an observation i just noticed it at the pga championship and then i noticed it 
you know, at the U.S. Open. I was like, man, come on. Like, there's there's something going on there. There's some flaw that I'm sure he's probably noticed it. I'm sure him and his coach are like, yeah, we've got to fix this under the gun. You keep doing this. They've got to fix it. But it was obvious to me that every time he anytime he needed to hit a good like he had hit the fairway, it was that big wipey cut that he missed way to the right. Yeah. Um, but th- that also could be how you hit, you know, 80% of your greens in regulation <laughs> swinging like that. So <laughs> it's obviously working out for him, but maybe well, and there's, and there's but. you know, not to get into too much, you know, swing analysis and, and mechanics, but I mean, there are some minor differences, you know, he, he does try to hit that that squeeze fade, which is going to be way easier to hit with an iron when that golf ball sitting on the ground versus mm-hmm. yeah. um, put way more with, spin on it. You can keep the ball hit a lot straighter with more spin. Yeah, it's just going to be harder to do with with the driver and the dynamics change here a little bit. So, yeah, but he's anyway. he's going to win. The guy's a class act. I'll, I'll say he's Torres. I like him. Every time I hear him talk, um, he just seems like a good guy and a class act. And so I like the guy. Just hard to watch him sign his signature with his putting stroke from four feet, but it's it really is only like it's really inside of like five or six feet is only yeah. I mean, he made some great putts on that on that back nine. Um, made that great par putt. Was it par putt? Yeah, I guess it was a par putt on thirteen. I think I said he made a bogey earlier, but he after Fitzpatrick made that bomb for birdie, he made a 12, 15 footer for par. Um, kind of have to have it moment. So yeah. But he may, um, he, he may be better off or, or better suited to subscribe to the Jordan Spieth, you know, inside of, you know, six, seven, eight feet. Look at the hole. Just yeah, to not see a bad idea. Get the, I mean, because he doesn't, you know, the, the people who people don't like that because they feel like if you're not looking at the ball, then you may miss hit some putts. And he mishits them. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, he misses them by a lot when he's looking at the ball. So I wonder if it would help him just to be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take my attention off the ball and and try to free it up a little bit. I mean, I don't know. That's just a thought. I'm sure they probably thought about all that, but got to do something different. Best thing I can do for Zalatoris to tell you that you can never win a major putting like that. (laughs) Buy a ticket for him at fucking PGA at the British. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go McLean. Has declared I'm it. Putting, He's never going to win a major. $1,000 on Zalatoris. You heard it right here Right now, first. that's a big winner. <laughs> um, so what you guys what you guys make of the golf course? Um, I'm obviously biased, and I, you know, pro- proclaimed my love for it last week. I thought it played great. I thought it showed great. I, I wish NBC did a little bit of a better job of kind of getting ground cameras and showing some more of the undulation of the greens and the green complexes. Um, and even just some of the undulation of the holes in general, and they had some of those elevation graphics they were using or whatever, but um, I thought it played great. Like we said a, a few minutes ago, it was probably going to be a three or four under winner if they didn't get that rain overnight. I thought they had the golf course incrementally getting right where they wanted it to go. Uh, they seemed to have total control over it, which we can't always say about the USGA. Yeah. yeah. I thought the ref was long and tough, but still fair and, and reasonable especially with those small greens there. I mean, they probably would have grown the rough up a little higher. I think if the greens were bigger, um, but they're the, the greens than, than themselves with, with that little square footage, they didn't need to have them four or five, six inches, you know, than the, in the primary cut, they didn't need to have it like that. But yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think, um, I love when they go to these old classic golf courses 
like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a history buff when it comes to that stuff. It's fun. I think they should play more. I wish they played more tour events at some of these historic golf courses, you know, have spend more time, you know, playing some of these shorter golf courses. Let's get some of the history of, of us golf, um, and have these guys play it, see how they, how they perform under the gun. We don't have to have every one of them set up like us open. If you play an old, old golf course, that's only 7,000 yards and you want to make it tough. And the guy shoots 12, 13, 14 under still awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to shoot one, two, three under par to make it entertaining. But I, I think you'd be surprised if we started going to, to more of these highly ranked golf courses that you never see. I think it would be cool for the audience to like, I, I know they're never going to play Pine Valley, but something like that, like mm-hmm. Quaker Ridge in Scarsdale, like right down the street from, from Wingfoot, one of my favorite golf courses. I mean, we haven't seen them play at that golf course in, you know, decades. Um, and it would be, you don't have to play us open. Let's have like, uh, you know, whatever, another, another tournament in the Northeast and to showcase, you know, a course like that. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of them in the U S that we don't see. And, and like, you know, the younger crowd, they don't know anything about these golf courses. I don't, I don't think it'd be cool, but yeah. you know, to answer your question, I thought the golf course played great. It showed great. And I wish they would do more events at some of these historic golf courses throughout the year. I mean, I know they're not going to do it every, every week, but Sprinkle in three or four, you know, in a regular season event would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, we, we get to see a few of them each year. You know, you put Riviera in that category um, as somewhere that hosts a, an event, but you would also consider it one of the, you know, testaments of golf to a certain mm-hmm. extent. You know, they, they're up there in that upper echelon. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you. And I think, well, we've seen it we know that they have the ability to still have some teeth in that golf course without it being over 7,500 yards. Um, And that's where I think, you know, golf gets lost a little bit, brings back some of the art form to the golf course, you know, bomb and gouge isn't really an option for a lot of these guys. And the ones that, um, the ones that aren't as long can hit their drivers pretty much everywhere. And it, it kind of not necessarily evens the playing field, but it certainly makes it a more competitive tournament for a larger number of players. And I think that makes for a better golf tournament. And certainly from a viewer standpoint, right? I want to see, I want to see a bunch of different guys around the same score playing the golf course differently. I think that is is so much more fun to watch than uh, 350, nine iron, 9 iron, you know, whatever it is, just the same shit over and over. Um, I, I thought that there were some really good risk reward opportunities out there. Um, I'm a huge fan of drivable par fours. I don't think we see enough of them on tour. Um, it, it, yeah. Number 10 at Riviera, another one. You're like, yep, that's, exactly. that's great. You know, it's yep, hard, it's perfect. short, it's little. Um, no, I, I think, I think you're exactly right. Um, well, and going I back to your, we leader- should have more of those. Yeah. <clears throat> going back to your leaderboard thing earlier, McLean, it, you were talking about the stars, but if you go down and just talk about some of the names that were maybe there, not all four days, but there's a lot of different styles. Yeah. Right. It was a course that everyone could compete at. It wasn't like, oh, this is only going to, you know, he's a short hitter. Take him out of the, he's not going to be able to compete there. You know, this is a bombers golf course or, you know, you you got bombers, obviously. Right. Um, With, with, you know, Zalatoris and Shefflin Fitzpatrick all hit a good ways and and Rom and McElroy in contention. But then you get guys, Denny McCarthy, you know, Joel Damon was up there. Adam, Adam Adam Hadwin, you know, you had Brian Harmon up there for a while for three days. Morikawa, you know, not Morikawa, not a bomber. He's a precision a guy. You had a lot of different styles, 
um, that kind of showed that's up what, there and that were in contention. That's what makes it. That's when you, that helps draw people in. Like, again, it has to do with the storytelling too. It's like people want to relate to the players. I mean, again, it's just a, that we're putting on a show, you know, uh, he's my favorite actor. He's my favorite, or he, she's my favorite actress. You know, why, why are you connected to them? Where are they from? What did they do? What, what connection do you have with them? What, Oh, he looks like me. She looks like me. They hit it as far as I do. They swing like me. But the more t- more people you can get to spread that out, the better. If everyone looks like Dustin Johnson, um, you know, people get bored with it. They're like, oh, there's another guy who's six four, hits it three twenty. You know, I was like, okay, great. You know, yeah. no, you know, it, you look at like the NBA. I mean, I, again, I know I'm making a jump here, but all those guys are six three or above. And the minute you get a five eleven or a six foot guy, someone's like, oh wow, I like that guy. Because yeah. he like he's like me, you know. Well, not and, not, not skill not in skilled standpoint, but like, hey, I, I can relate to that guy. He's he's my height, you know. But if well, all if everyone is like a, you know, this grandiose person, like they, it's hard to relate, you know. So I think a course like this, and that's why I, I'm a big proponent of having more of these throughout the the year. To your point exactly, McLean, and you're and you too, Mike. It, it brings so many different types of golf golf games into the mix and it's more relatable. More people want to watch it. You know, I was, I was pulling for a lot of different people for different reasons. And I think a lot of people were the same. It brings us back to a former era in golf or era, I should say in golf where, you know, if you remember it, the bomber used to be the minority out on tour. Yeah. There used to just be daily and then tiger came along, but there were very few bombers. I mean, you can go back, you can remember Hank Keeney, um, yeah. John, Day, you know, if, if you try to start thinking about it, but there weren't a bunch of the big top guys weren't necessarily known yeah. as bombers. Davis Love the third was a little bit, you know, he was definitely a bomber of his generation before Freddie couple, Freddie couple a little bit, but they weren't considered just these astronomically long players. Now that's the majority of what's out there. Yeah, it's a bigger spread that. between the short and the long guy now without question. And you have more long hitters than you have short hitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way more short hitters, especially if, you know, the guys that are being able that are able to keep their card and keep playing on a tour where it has been rewarded um, so much over the past decade by length. So it, yeah. it's fun to see a golf course that kind of kind of honors that era of golf to where it forces everyone to kind of lean into the golf. Tournament. I shouldn't say lean into the golf. Tournament. Um, it, it Again, it just uh, offers a much wider opportunity for a wider range of players. Yeah, it for it it, it it I don't want to say forced the hand, but it you you had to play what the golf course was giving you, and you had to be strategic about it. You had to be able to take take the risks on certain holes and know that hey, this is a this is a very you know high risk play. Uh, if it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, you can make a double bogey. You know, a couple of those drivable par fours. I mean, look at Cantlay plugged in the face of the bunker on and one of the drivable par fours and five. made up. Number five, it made a double, you know, it's a perfect example. You know, it's like, great. Yeah. You can, you can take advantage of your link if you want to, but if you, if you mess up, if you miss a step, it's going to bite you. So again, that's where it balances out. Like if you're that good and you can hit it three thirty, and you're that accurate, then go for it. Um, but most of the time, n- nobody really is that accurate. Well, and that's kind of to your point, Jay, is the thing I like about that golf course and the way it played this weekend for the guys is, you watch a lot of U.S. Opens, and they're just 490-yard par fours, thick rough. It's they're, they're almost like not birdie holes. It's just like, okay, can the guy make par and, and not make a bogey? Where I felt like at the country club, there was a good mix of short and long, and 
there were a few good scoreable opportunities out there. Um, birdie holes, but there was a lot of chance for a birdie bogey. And we saw it on the back yeah. nine, a lot of the two shot swings. It wasn't yeah. just like, okay, these are going to be a couple of pars par bogey, par bogey. It's a birdie yeah. or bogey, you know? So there's a lot of fluctuation on the leaderboard versus, okay, it's just who makes yeah. the fewest amount of bogeys. You can have those two shot swings on that golf course. You hit a good yeah. shot. It's going to be rewarded. But if you get a little off, you're going to make a bogey um, versus just like, okay, just hammer one as far as you can hit it. Make sure you yeah. hit it the fairway then hit it on the green and then two putt and make your par and get out of there. There was a chance to hit one close and score and, and make something happen, but I wasn't going to just give it to you. So, yeah. Yeah. That does, that gets old. It gets, yeah, that gets, that gets old. And I, I still think I'm, I don't know if anyone enjoyed it. I loved watching the 14th hole, that par five up the hill, the big long one where Scheffler, he didn't even reach the fairway. He laid up yesterday with an iron and left it short, just barely got it on top of the hill. And these guys were having to hit fairway woods just to lay up. And it was just like, make these guys think about a layup a little bit. And there were a couple of guys earlier in the week when it was a little warmer um, and the wind was down a little bit more. You know, I watched a couple of guys get there in two on 14 and have some Eagle putts. And I think Ron, Ron made Eagle one day, Kepka made Eagle one day. Um, But yeah, it just felt like, especially on the weekend when it got a little bit overcast, a little chillier, a little windier. The ball wasn't flying as far. They were actually having to legitimately think about their layup on a par five, which you almost yeah. never see anymore. And it was just tough. And it was what five hundred and thirty yards just to get to the second fairway to lay up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I had a lot of fun watching that hole. And so, yeah, I thought it. I thought it played great. What? Um, you got any other thoughts on on the on the U.S. Open? Um, Grayson Murray just had a tremendous tremendous meltdown yesterday. It was awesome. Hey, did- did Kevin Na ever comment or throw shade on Grayson Murray at all for his? You know, I didn't. I didn't have see a nice little feud. You would have to. I love that the USGA put their lockers next to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, that is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I can't remember. Was I can't remember the sequence? Did he tomahawk his putter before he snapped his club, or was it vice yes. versa? Yeah, tomahawk, tomahawk the putter first, first, then snapped it, and then he snapped another one somewhere because I saw on his uh, Instagram. Uh, story that he had uh, he was pulling two different broken irons out of his staff bag and laughing <laughs> as his caddy pulled him out and tossed him into the trunk of his courtesy car <laughs> pretty great yeah he's, I mean, he's he's a hothead without question yeah this the snap clubs are cool and all we've seen that before but the tomahawk putter i mean that was over the hand like it was aggressive he put some yeah. heat behind that thing that was a pretty impressive toss i'll say <laughs> It, we never see it on tour because normally there's there's a crowd standing there, so you can't yeah, yeah. throw your butter like that. I, as soon as he <laughs> threw it, I didn't see them um, pan to where he actually threw it until afterwards. I'm sitting there going, "Did he just fucking hit somebody?" <laughs> that was, I mean, that's that was my initial what you think. A hundred percent, because you know, you threw that thing with some force, and then they they panned over like, "Oh, okay, it's just a, a grassy hill." Yeah, but uh, yeah, at first I was sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, he is taking someone out. He's uh, getting arrested on the next screen." <laughs> Like, Jesus <laughs> Could you imagine if he tomahawks a club and fucking takes somebody out? Like they press charges. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if a, yeah, if a, I mean, if a fan got hit with a club and just like, no, you, hey, some, you can do some damage with that thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh gosh. But I, I saw that. I almost texted you, McLean. Like, hey, why don't you text Grayson and see if he wants to be on the pod? Yeah, we're cl- we're not close like that. <laughs> <laughs> But no, he, he was a junior at uh, one of the clubs I was a pro at when I was in my young twenties, and he was a he was an incredible junior at that time I and mean, playing with him. But he's always been a little bit of a different 
different kind of guy. Um, yeah, I mean, what did he go to four different universities? But by the time he finished, was it something he like that? A couple. He, he went, went to, went to went three ASU. I don't know where did he go to three. I think he had to stop somewhere else in between Wake and ASU for like very very short time. Might have. Oh, uh, he did, it, I know he went to three places for sure. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it real fast. Yeah, but he started at started at Wake. I think he ended at. Um, that was only a year, I think. At Arizona State, he also went to East Carolina as well. ECU. I didn't know that. That's yeah. How they? How did they get him? <laughs> he was desperate to play somewhere. He, yeah, he just wanted to play. Just wanted no, to play. No, no, he wanted to go party. So yeah. he wanted to go to ECU. ECU, they know how to party. Yes, yeah, they do. they do. They do. So, um, yeah. Any other any other storylines um, or guys that stood out to you? There was a couple good AMs and up and and other guys I've never really heard of. Or Nick Hardy, who's now a pro. He he kind of impressed me a little bit with a little bit of his game. He uh, just recently turned pro, I think, a year or two ago. Graduate of uh, Illinois. Was up there that yeah, Travis Vick. Yeah, I saw both of those guys, and I hadn't really seen a whole lot of golf uh, from them prior. But yeah, I mean. They showed up for sure. Yeah, I heard uh, Joel Damon played with um, Nick Hardy yesterday, and I heard a quote from him. He's like, he's going to be good. Like once he kind of figures it out, you know, you can kind of yeah. tell a guy kind of has the yeah. the has the swing and the ball striking and, and that. And he just got to kind of maturity levels got to meet his game and kind of yeah. figure it out. Uh, yeah. You know more about that than I do, Jay. Um, <laughs> I figured out how to fold a shirt a long time ago, so <laughs> – yeah, I uh, I guess I didn't figure it out either. <laughs> um, you know what, Curtis? <laughs> this is another Curtis story, but um, <laughs> I remember I was sitting there talking to him. This is maybe three or four years into playing, and we were just talking about how to how to figure it out, and like how to, you know, how do you learn how to win? Blah blah blah. We we're going through. You know, I kept asking all these questions, just trying to learn. And I'm, I'm, this is kind of a vague, vague statement, but um, and, and the, the, the conversation probably really doesn't matter that much. I was basically just needling and picking and not picking his brain. And I finally got to the end and he was getting kind of irritated with the whole thing because I was asking so many questions. <laughs> and I was like, well, what happens? You know, what do you do if you can't do this? And he's like, you go sell fucking insurance, Jay. Because that means you're not good enough. And I was like... <laughs> shit i don't want to be that guy <laughs> but i mean he was basically like dude you're talking it's this is hard it's professional golf like it's not as easy as i mean it's not like you just talk about it and you know you have this roadmap like everyone's different like either you can do it or you can't and then if you can't then you go sell insurance <laughs> i was like oh shit you're right <laughs> oh that sounds exactly like something curtis would say oh yeah yeah oh yeah he had all a right. bunch of those. I wish I'd written them all, written them all down. But yeah, he had a bunch of good, good one-liners. So just because I want to, I want. I had a good laugh over the weekend when I was following along. I'm not going to keep believe I'm going to say this, this this word on this podcast this week, but I had a fun time watching the live guy shoot a million fucking over par this week. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure Phil Mickelson beat every anyone that fucking chump. And then you had so many guys shoot a million. <laughs> You know, Kevin Na was up there for a little bit, which I vomited in my mouth, and then he proceeded to shoot like 43 in the back. I was like, okay, that's better. But so many guys <laughs> missed the cut. I, I remember at one point I saw on Twitter, you know, Liv is also stands for the um, Roman numeral of 54. 
because of the holes they played. But at one point, someone tweeted on Friday, the live guys are LIV over par. They were combined 54 <laughs> over par. <laughs> um, I just, I had a good time. And there was a, fun, a couple of funny quotes. Um, they're like, yeah, everyone keep the live guys in your thoughts and prayers. I got to play four rounds of golf this week for significantly less pay. <laughs> um, and then I'm someone sure was like, someone was laughing like, all the way to the bank. Yeah, someone was like, with, man, has anyone, has anyone to the air? <laughs> somebody posted a picture of, of DJ teeing off on number one on Saturday. And they're like, has anyone told DJ this is actually a four round golf tournament? He, this is not his final round today. <laughs> is, he, is he aware of this? <laughs> um, so here's here's a serious question about the live guys, and this is not in a debate on the tour or whatever. And I saw someone pose this question. Do you think it hurts them playing in these majors because of the do they lose an edge because of the guaranteed money they're getting on the live tour? Do they just not have the same toughness because of it? You know, they are going to right now they're playing on a weaker tour with against weaker competition. Does that hurt them when they get into a major? And does it also hurt them if they yes. have something weighing over them, whether it's the media questions and the and the, all this kind of stuff? Because these guys did not perform very well. And it's, again, it's one week. It's the U.S. Open. It's 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 easy. To, I'm not going to just try to just shit on these guys because I, I want to. But um <laughs> Well, I don't think I don't think it's the U.S. Open that's necessarily the issue as much. I think it's the fact when we talk about one, um, I think it's the fact they've only had one golf tournament and it's so popular right now that it's tough to say one way or the other. Without question, the way the field sits right now, yes, it's a detriment to come back and play in such an elite format with such a, a, a stronger field. At the same time, the field is going to get stronger on live. Without question, we see that we still continue to see people defect on a very, very um, frequent basis. I love that word because that's exactly what I thought about earlier today. I was talking about, I was about some other players that I've heard that are going to leave. And I was like, in my mind, I said, these players, oh, so-and-so is going to defect. And I was like, that's that's so never using that word. Or a fucking golf, golf tour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, that's just that's the most accurate depiction of what's yeah. actually happening. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, so at the end of the day, we don't know what the final product of that is. And it's very likely that over time, as this settles in, that the amount of question that these guys face decreases. So it's easy to make that judgment right now. Without question, Mike, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's 100% a detriment. But we don't know if that's how it ends. Put yeah. it that way. In two no, to yeah, three yeah. years, in two to three years, maybe it's maybe it's the elite. You know, I know they want to try to keep adding on events, but if they just want to keep it a smaller eight event series, I think they have a better chance of coexisting with another tour. If they start getting into 15 to 20 events, I think it's going to be a this or that. And that's where mm-hmm. I think it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. Well, and beyond that, you will also see players um, practice less with guaranteed money. Well, that's that's kind of my whole point is do they lose that edge and that? Some, but only some will. I mean, think about it. It's that way in every other professional sport out there, right? These guys are getting guaranteed money. So what motivates them to stay strong? Do we have a different group of players that potentially comes in? I mean, it's very much that we see very possible that we see a shift to where if you, if you're one of those lazy guys, you might get early, uh, money good 
early money and get paid um, a decent sum, but you might not be able to stick around. And eventually you're going to get passed by a newer generation that's trying harder and coming in. And, and yeah, and just I evolves. mean, I think you're going to, you're going to get that regardless. I mean, Rory McIlroy makes X amount with Nike and uh, you know, he's still is trying to play the best that he can. Tiger Woods, you, you, I don't even know what his contract is with Nike anymore. And he still obviously is competing. So I, for a lot of those guys, yeah, there's going to be the, just like any sport, the guys get paid and then they, they, they get lazy. Um, but they're, it, it, there's going to be plenty of guys on the, on the opposite end of the, the spectrum that they just want to win. Tom Brady, another person. I mean, the guy's won seven Super Bowls, and who knows how much money he makes with with Tampa Bay now. But he still is coming out at 44 years old trying to to win another Super Bowl. So I think that's more. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's a, an absolute. Yes. Will there be guys who get paid and get lazy? Yeah. But I think that's. That's no different than what we see on the PGA Tour. Guys get paid; they get guaranteed money from their sponsors, and they they get lazy. You know, I, yeah, I think that's I think it's the same. I don't think that changes any. But to your point with not playing against tough competition, um, yeah, I mean, I think that does affect you a little bit. Like if you play now again, like you said, only one event. But if they if they don't play any other tour anywhere else, and they just play the live and they say they do that for the remainder of the year and they come back next year and they haven't played against anybody. Um, we see that all the time when guys um, look at like somebody like Tommy Fleetwood and I'm not trying to pick on him, but he plays great over in the, uh, on the European tour, which obviously not the DP tour, whatever they call it now. Um, but then when he comes back over to the States, he can't win. Uh, and it's just comfortability with, with the field and you play down to the field. And we've talked about this in other podcasts. You feel comfortable playing against a certain number of players in a certain skill set. And you're like, hey, I can do this. And all of a sudden you throw, you know, the top 40 players in the world in the mix. And, yeah, it does make a little bit of a difference. So, yeah, you, yeah. you could you could in the, in the beginning. I don't think it will stay that way for long. Like like McLean said, I think you're going to see more and more top players defect. Um, and then it's going to even out a little bit. But in the in the immediate in, interim there, I think that, yeah, you're going to be playing against a a lesser field and it could give you a false sense of how you're playing. That's like me shooting 66 yesterday at the foundry. And I know when I go to Pittsburgh field club next week, that's like shooting one or two over par. <laughs> so I need to get my ass and be ready to go. Yeah. Jay put up a little smooth little 31 on the front nine yesterday. Mm. I see. Love it. I was, I just, I just watched one shot and watched his putt on nine for the 31 and, that was one of my best shots of the day. I'm glad you were there to watch that. Delivered, delivered a transfusion and went on my merry way. Then yeah. it was not as good on the back nine, but still we had a good time. We had a good little match there. Um, it was fun. We had two, uh, three, three good buddies, um, friends of the pod, Ralph, Jonathan, and Matty B. Um, shout out to Matt Brandingham, if you're listening. Semi-finalist of the Richmond Golf Association um, City Amateur this week and has only played like two rounds of golf prior to this. And yeah, it's a remarkable for him to play that well. How little of golf he, he plays and practices and hasn't been really in competitive golf in the last few years, but also another shout out to Jordan Utley, the ultimate, uh, that's who, right. Who beat Matt and the ultimate winner. Cause Jordan is also a, uh, an avid listener of this yes. podcast as well. So Jordan, congrats, buddy. Uh, congrats, nice, great, nice great win. So, uh, good to see some of our, our friends playing well uh, this past weekend. So enough live talk. No arguments today. That's it. We're done. We made it. Well, we, made we got it. to talk about 
Abraham answered Spanish sensation has declared for live. Okay, great. You just said it. Okay, perfect. Let's move on now. To <laughs> also have reports that Victor Hovland and I Colin hear, Morikawa could I be. I did hear those two well, names. But then I, heard, then I heard a report that the Morikawa report was false. There was reports that Varner was going, and then now there's reports that Varner was talked out of it by Michael Varner's Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yep. There's all kinds of stuff out there. So I don't know. Everything's until being see it. refuted. Dude, what are you going to do if Colin Morikawa, you're <laughs> – this is like your man. What happens if he goes live? The divorce. I'll always, I'll always have Jordan, Jay. <laughs> oh, good. That, Jordan will never go to the live door. And, so and, I have, and I'll have JT. You'll have JT. And I'll still have Rory. Rory and I'll still have Rory. Little, little brother. <laughs> still have Rory to disappoint me in majors. Um, so we'll, we'll still have a lot. But, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll break that down when and if we have to later. Yes, so. we will. Let's let's get to the travelers. Uh, they're actually staying in New England in Connecticut. Long time um, PJ Tour event. TBC River Highlands. Pretty decent field uh, for this. Well, I should say it's kind of top heavy field, but you got it is a good field. I was I was, at the I was really surprised when I saw this because I thought, you know, the RBC Canadian was a pretty solid field before. I thought maybe you guys would take the week off after, but you got Scheffler, McElroy, Thomas, Cantlay, Burns. Spieth, Shafle, uh, you know, Joaquin Neiman, Sung J.M., Mito Pereira. You got a lot of a lot of good guys um, playing this week, so which will be fun to see, and it'll be a, a breath of fresh air for these guys. Typically, you're looking at a 15, 16 under kind of winner yeah. for this event. Yeah, big fairways for the most part, not yeah. overly demanding. Um, it it has provided some drama in recent years. They had that epic, was it Kramer, Hickok, and Harris English last year? Yeah. Had like a seven hole playoff. You had That's the playoff right. with Jordan Spieth it, holding out of the bunker against Berger. That's right. That's right. You're right. So there's been some drama in the last couple of years uh, with this event uh, coming down the finish. So who uh, who wants to go first? Um, go. I can. Uh... I can shed some light here on my picks. I uh, I've got a nice little streak here the last two or three weeks, finishing in the money, winning two weeks ago and finishing third last week. Um, so we'll see if I can keep keep that keep that rolling. But um, I'll start at the bottom. I'm I'm starting way down at the bottom. Uh, my boy Justin Lauer at sixty two hundred bucks is putting together a nice little rookie season. Made 11 out of 18 cuts, nothing crazy, but that's all I need him to do here. This seems like a perfect event for, for Justin to get in there and give him a, maybe, maybe sneak a top 25 this week. Um, he finished 35th at the RBC. So um, if he can slide in at 1600 bucks, that would be ideal. Um, then I jump up to past champion. He may be multiple past champion. My boy, Kevin Streelman. 7,200 bucks. He loves this place. I wish I could rip off the stats. Actually, I do have the stats right here of his past finishes. Um, he did miss the cut last year, but he finished second, 15th, 33rd, eighth, uh, a couple missed cuts, then a first, sixth. So top, he's got a bunch of top tens here. So he loves it up there. Um, hopefully he can, um, he can get it going. Not, not great. Um, not great golf as of late. So that could hurt, but at 7,200 bucks, it's worth the, worth the risk. Um, then I jump up to 
8100 bucks. Jason Day, who mm. was kind of a sneaky little pick for me. He likes this golf course. I think he's only missed the cut one time um, and has played – uh, he's playing decent as of late. Um, you know, nothing spectacular, but he's he's got a top 10 at the Zurich, which was, I know, was a two-man thing, 15th at the Wells Fargo. Um, but he hasn't missed a cut in, in six in six tournaments. So, but again, I played, played this tournament uh, seven times and only one missed cut and uh, two top 10s and uh, two more top 20s. So, again, at, at that price range, this is a weird, weird um, – Setup. I feel like it was either you went for one of the the, the high end guys, and the middle road guys were was tough to find some some good value in my opinion. Um, but he's one of the guys that I'm I'm going to give a shot. So um, then I jump up to Davis Riley, who's been playing some incredible golf, eighty nine hundred bucks. I mean, he's just been playing good. I mean, I know this past week he, he had some flashes, but um, you know, ended up finishing thirty first, I guess, at the U.S. Open, but Overall, I've been playing some really good golf. I know he's a rookie on tour, but what a beautiful swing, too. I wish they'd show him more. I guess they don't have enough of a story <laughs> to fill, yeah. fill us in, but it's a pretty golf swing. Um, then I go up to Keegan Bradley, uh, 9400 bucks. He obviously is from this area, loves this place. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, if he has another good week. Has not won here. But finished second here in 2019, uh, eighth in 2017. So he's got some got some good memories. And the last two years haven't been good to him, but overall uh, played well. And then uh, last but not least, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know. This guy's kind of an enigma to me. Like he 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 should. I shouldn't say he should play better, but he is playing great golf. Um, and he was kind of the mix for quite a bit uh, this past week. But again, uh, his history there in the last four years is pretty good. Four straight top 15 finishes. Um, and I think given his overall play in the last two years, I wouldn't surprise me. Just course familiarity if he doesn't break off another top 10. Cool. Um, so there you have it. I like it. Yep. Um, all right. I'll... Uh... I'll go here. So I'm going to go with a name people will start to hear soon down the board a little bit. Uh, 6,400. Chris Goderup just recently turned professional, was one of the top AMs in the world, top collegiate um, golfers in the world from uh, Oklahoma. He finished seventh back in the spring at Puerto Rico as an amateur before he turned professional, just made the cut uh, here at the U.S. Open. So I'm going to go 6,400 Chris Goddard. I think he plays well, uh, having a little confidence, and you'll start to hear and see that name more and more and more. Then I'm going to go up to Adam Long. Um, mm. Just been steady, really, over the last few months. Had a lot of top 20 finishes, been making a bunch of cuts. So I like Adam Long at $7,000. Then I'm going to go up to KH Lee. Uh, won a few weeks ago. Um at the AT&T, Byron Nelson made the cut last week. Um, we'll go KH Lee there. Then I'm going to jump up to Keegan Bradley as well. 9,400 again, like just kind of like Jay said, New England boy. Uh, played really well, just didn't you know end like he wanted to on Sunday this past weekend. But he, sure, he's feeling good a little bit about himself. Pressure will be down. Um, 
a little bit as well. So uh, I expect a good week out of Keegan again. And uh, like Jay said, he, he does play well at this golf course. Then I go up to uh, Sung J.M. Mm. On a golf course like this, he's going to make a bunch of birdies. The guy just fills it up and makes a bunch of birdies. Has been playing really, real. He did miss the cut this week at the U.S. Open by one, but it's easy to do. You just get yeah, a yeah. Little, little off at a, at, a, at a venue like the U.S. Open, and you know he missed the cut by one. But other than that, he's had a lot of bunch of high top twenty finishes. I, I had him in a bunch, a couple of my DraftKings lineups at his where his price point was. I was like, man, the guy just plays solid. But yeah, like I said, it's easy to miss the cut by one shot at the U.S. Yeah. Open. You, one one bad hole, and you can miss the cut. Yep, exactly. One funky bad lie in the rough, and you make a double, and then there you go. Yeah. So, and then my last one, one of my whoobies, 9,900 Jordan Spieth, um, past champ, (laughs) past champ. I'm playing well. He played steady. Um, nothing too crazy from him at the U S open made the cut, but has had some good finishes at Memorial Charles Schwab, obviously won, uh, back in April. So, um, I like Spieth to play well, uh, again. So there it is. There you go. Like it. Well, I can go ahead and tell you right now, Mike and I have two of the same players. Uh, one of them being Mr. Jordan Spieth for all the reasons he just named, as well as KH Lee for all the reasons yeah. he recently named just before that. Um, outside of that, I'm just going to start right in the middle where everyone loves to be. Ryan Palmer, <laughs> 7,300. Um, moving uh, to the bottom, I thought it was a great value pick. I got uh, Mr. Lucas Glover at 6,800. 15 to 19 cuts. You know, it's a lot of cuts made for that dollar amount. Normally, you're not going to see that, but um, we're going to bring the Clemson boy in there and see what he can do. Um, from there, Mr. Siwoo Kim at 7,600. Shaking that ass. Uh, and rounding out my squad. Justin Thomas. So again, Ooh. for those of you keeping track, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ryan Palmer, KH Lee, Siwoo Kim, and Lucas Glover. That's a pretty good little lineup there. If you get Jordan Spieth and Justin in there. Nice. Yeah. I uh I'm hoping that the remainder of my squad can um make the cut or at least four of the five or five of the six, I mean, and uh, then have a chance. There you go. I like it. I like it. I like All it. right. Well, I was, I'm going to put a, a plug in for another professional event this week, the KPMG LPGA PGA professional, whatever it is the, um, on the LPGA tour, their major, they're going to congressional this week. Everyone has probably seen congressional over the years, but you're not going to, you've never seen it like this. Andrew green, um, who I know great architect that's becoming uh, one of the bigger up-and-comers as far as doing renovations on some classic golf courses. Um, recently redid this a couple of years ago, took down a bunch of trees, redid it. It looks awesome. I cannot wait to watch um, the KPMG uh, this weekend on, on the LPGA Tour. I think it's going to be cool to see. And um, Those girls have been playing their asses off. I've been kind of just keeping an eye on them here or there. They had a stout leaderboard this past week. Not like anyone was paying attention, and Minji Lee won the their U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago. So just keep an eye out that, and especially here, uh, Jay and I being so close, just down the road from Congressional, and um, John Scott, you know, Rattan, a, a friend of ours up there. 
You know, it's funny. We're 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 heading up this weekend for that uh, tournament, that Invitational there in Pittsburgh, and we're stopping on Saturday in uh, in uh, Maryland to watch my nephew uh, for a couple of lacrosse matches. Uh, and Aaron, I was telling my wife, I was like, I need to practice. I'm getting ready to go play in this tournament. She's like, Can you just call John Scott and see if we can get off on Congressional? I'm like. No, I I cannot get on congressional on Saturday. It's not going to happen. I was like, sorry, they've got something going on there. It's not going to be like, hey, I'm just popping in for a quick 18. Uh Um, But you're right, though. I I haven't not played it since the renovation. And everyone says that it's absolutely impeccable. Like it is just which I'm not a huge fan of cutting down a bunch of trees. I think the trees are cool. I'm not so much of a tree hugger, but I guess maybe I am. But (laughs) I, you know, again, we get, I don't, I don't want to drag this on, but you get to a point where you play a certain golf course and you've got, it looks a certain way because the shapes and the trees and so forth. So when you totally re, you know, reconfigure them and take a bunch of trees down, sometimes you lose that luster. But with that being said, everyone has said that this place looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, it looks good. Since they, since they redid it. So I'm, I'm pumped to see it too on TV. It'll be awesome. Yeah. It'll be cool to watch that. So check out the uh, the travelers, and then also check out the KPMG and uh, support the support the women as a as a girl dad um, myself with two two girls. I like to support the women's game, and I you know I'll admit it here in the podcast. I got my first pedicure the other day with my daughter. <laughs> you did. I, uh, I did. You know she she had her last day of school on Thursday. It was a half day, and I picked her up, and she wanted to celebrate and. I said, well, Isabella, what do you want to do? <laughs> Daddy, I want to go to the nail salon. <laughs> so we went to the nail salon. <laughs> Love it. So good. You're a good dad. She got a Manny Petty. I just joined in for the Petty. And um, yeah, we had a good little day and good little ice cream and Chick-fil-A and went to Petco. Right. Went to Petco and played a prank on our my wife that we were bringing home a guinea pig. And um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Anyways, so support the women. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> So, all right, folks, that's it. On that note, on that note, that's it for us. On that note, I'm going to make sure my toes look good before I go to bed, and uh, we'll see everyone down the road. So, later, boys. Later, guys. Cheers. 